everyone, and welcome to another episode in a series of recordings that we did at the recent Goodwood Festival of Speed. We spoke to a load of CEOs and interesting people, basically, but none more interesting than this, the one, the only, Christian von Koenigsegg. The internet's favourite CEO, I think so. He's got a fan club like no others, primarily because he makes cars like no other and tries to furrow a different path. And boy, what a conversation we have. Not in the normal setting either. We weren't in some conference centre or little booth or anything. We were in a Gamera. Yes, we were in the Gamera prototype, the one that they first showed at the 2020 Geneva Motor Show that was actually cancelled, but we went to the show anyway and saw this prototype. Anyway, there we were, sat in this four-seater supercar that he's going to produce, while the entire supercar run drove past the front of the Koenigsegg stand. So you're going to hear some... Interesting noises, not entirely unpleasant noises, but some very, very loud supercars. You'll probably spot the Huayra R at some point shrieking past at three miles an hour. Yeah, we. It wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't our best move we've ever had of hitting record. Just as the noisiest cars in the world yeah. all came past at the same time. Yeah, yeah. So bear with us on the audio quality, but there's some brilliant stuff in here. Of course, we talked to him about going 300 miles an hour uh, in the Yesco. Um, what else did he? He told us about a little Swedish hack of how he's managed to change his uh, 15-year-old BMW into a tractor. Yeah, bizarre. Listen out for that. Um, And Rowan asks possibly the greatest interview question that's ever been asked, which is, has he ever put his head in a wind tunnel? Yeah, he has a very aerodynamic head, but exactly how aerodynamic, you're about to find out. All right, so welcome to the Top Gear Magazine podcast, Christian von Koenigsegg. And I have to say, this has to go down as the most novel position I've ever done an interview in, which is sitting inside the um, Gamera prototype. And the genius is we've got four seats here. So Christian is sitting in the driving seat. I'm in the passenger seat. We've got Rowan behind me. And then we've got our podcast producer, Ben, over there playing with all the dials so you've got to excuse the noise because we've got a door open because it's going to be get a bit hot in here the windows don't open it's just a show car isn't it? And, and the helicopters that's for you to leave afterwards isn't it jack yes that's my helicopter just hovering over for when i'm oh, ready perfect, to go perfect. yeah yeah but you were saying this car christian has done the rounds it's been around the world a couple of times yeah it's been Three times in the US, been down in Australia, Malaysia, China, Hong Kong, Japan, I don't, you name it, everywhere, Middle East. Yeah. Uh, and not only one turn. I mean, we had this COVID situation, of course, so it stopped off a little bit, then it took off again. So, uh, yeah, I think I heard it was more than 15,000 people getting in and out of the car. So. Well, 15,004 as of today. And not, and everything's still attached. It's surprisingly holding together pretty well yeah. for, for a show car, I would say, yeah. Yeah. But really also, I can't get over the space. It's the first time I've ever sat in one. I'm six foot two. Jack, you're slightly smaller, but you are in front. But that seat is set for someone probably about my size or oh, I've more. Got, I've got endless. Uh, literally, my feet can't touch the bulkhead. Yeah. I mean, yeah. w- when we designed the car, uh, of course, we, we, we knew we needed ample space in here for it to be a comfortable car for four fully grown-ups. And we used the Panamera as a reference. It took some quick measurements and so on. And uh, we said, that's our benchmark. No worse than that. And, and then we started slimming the seats, making them hollow air core, and uh, putting uh, memory foam and slimming that, and, and, and pushing every millimeter out of, uh, uh, well, adding to the space and we totally failed with the uh, Panamera comparison because it's much roomier than that. (laughs) Big fail. It's bigger than a Panamera. Um, 
All right, so so we're here at Goodwood. We're surrounded by all these fans who flock into your to your stand. Um, do you remember the first time you came to Goodwood? Yeah, I think it was. Um, when was that? That was a long time ago. It must have been 15, 16 years ago. Mm -hmm. So yeah, we Has had it changed we had, a lot. We had a CC8S here. Um, I mean, the the vibe and feel is the same, but it it somehow feels bigger and more massive uh, somehow, right? And, and of course, much many more supercars, hypercars. I mean, that industry has completely changed. When we started, there was basically no one. I mean, it was us, maybe Pagani, Bugatti was just getting. I mean, they I think they hadn't even delivered their first. Uh, Veyron at the time. <laughs> wow. So it's been a hell of a journey all those years. And um, I've got to ask, have you had any mishaps over the years? Any any Koenigsegg crashes on the hill? Uh, nope. Not that I'm aware of. Touch wood. Touch yeah. carbon yeah. fibre. Yeah, exactly. yeah, that's very good. Carbon fibre out of the hay bales. But we, <laughs> just before we started the interview, our other esteemed colleague, Paul Horrell, came over and said, last time I spoke to you was 15 years ago at the Geneva Motor Show. I didn't believe you were going to make cars. Give me, here's my phone number. Give me a ring when you've made 10. You never phoned him back, but yeah, you've made he, more than 10 cars. He, so he's, he came to apologize. He, re he reminded me of that today and kind of apologized. I can't say I remember the situation, but there was there were a lot of skeptics around, of course, and that was something I expected. Uh, most most people or persons or companies trying to do this, of course, uh, don't get very far. And, and I knew that even when I started. And I think that is maybe knowing that deep in my heart was probably a reason why we're still here today, because I expected I expected it to be very difficult, I expected it to be impossible, but I wanted to prove to myself and the rest of the world that if you really put your mind to it, impossible doesn't need to stop you. Yeah, yeah. And how many Koenigseggs have you made? How many Koenigseggs exist? I think we're up to like 262 or something, oh, wow. so not that many actually. Yeah, well, 252 I'll... Paul thought you'd make, so that's good. So yeah, the bulls... It's around, uh, it's, I mean, we, we have like you now 12 Yescos on the production line. They're starting to roll off and then we have the test cars. So it's always, how do you count? Mm -hmm. But I think it's like a bit over 250 in, in customer hands. Oh, wow. Yeah. And um, speaking of your, your, your full back catalogue then, I realise this is going to be the most difficult question. It's like choosing between your children. If you could only drive one of those Koenigseggs for the rest of your life, which one would it be? I would, I would have to say the CC8S, the first, the first one we ever made as a production car, or maybe even the the first prototype, you know, because they they were the the real impossible cars, and they broke broke the ice for the brand, and they're still super fun to drive today. I can't believe how good we were back then <laughs> with like. 12 people doing that. That's a, I don't understand how those persons did that anymore. <laughs> yeah, because now the scale of your operation is just Yeah, so now we're over bigger. 600 people, so wow. a, a few more. Yeah. But also the complexity of your cars has just gone out of this world. You've, you said it's not easy, it's but pretty much maybe impossible. maybe not per engineer employed. Right, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're sharing the load a bit. Um, so, so what cars have you brought along with you? We're, we're obviously seeing in this Camaro prototype, you got stuff yep. running up the hill. Yes, yes. Um, what have you got? Yeah, so we have uh, an Absolute, Jesco Absolute running up the hill. This is the first time we show it uh, in action in public. And then we have uh, Jesco Attack, our orange test car. And then we have uh, one of our test Rogueras that we just refurbished into a kind of long-term, nice-to-have demo car for the company. Uh, and then we have on the stand here, we have a, a, a CCXR from 2008, uh, a car that yeah, well took us into the uh, renewable fuel uh, scene before any other 
sports car manufacturer even considered uh, the environment. And it, at the time, broke the record as the world's most powerful uh, production car, 1,018 horsepower. Uh, it's also one of our company cars, a beautiful example with very low mileage. And then, uh, yeah, we have the Jamira here. And then, uh, kind of in the parking lot, we have uh, six or seven customer cars, a couple of Regeras, a couple of Agueras, a one-to-one, -one, an RS or something like that. So they're hanging out and having barbecues and uh, <laughs> kind of sharing the passion together with us. This is great. And all these, all the supercars now, you're going to hear a lot of um, uh, loud engines in the background because the supercar runs just finished. So they were just driving past the front of the Koenigsegg stand. So. Forgive us for the for the background noise, but actually it's quite good noise. It's fairly suitable for the interview. It's fairly suitable for the interview. <laughs> so um, you, you talked about Yesco. You mentioned a bit before you got 12 cars on the line at the moment. Just tell us a bit about Yesco development. Is is it all done? Are you about to deliver cars? Where are you in the process? Oh, there, there is one. Ah, oh, the oh, there it goes. There goes the uh, Yesco Absolute. <laughs> Looking amazing. Um, yeah. So uh, I would say, given the COVID situation. We are almost on plan. I mean, I would say, if d depending on how you count, maybe we're eight, ten months late overall since inception. But on the other hand, if we look at our competitors, that's pretty good. And we have the line up and running, and we have the cars, and we have the homologation. Uh, there's always fine tuning, especially with software. We have so many new cool things that we're, we're working on. Uh, but the good thing with all our cars nowadays, we have OTA as well. So uh, we can download new programs to the cars on a, on, yeah, whenever we want around yeah. the world. It's like the Regera. We're still sending out cool updates to our customers. Just small uh, kind of Easter eggs and surprises. We just gave them a, a rolling launch mode where you can rev up the engine to kind of do really good rolling launch starts against cars and then we gave them boost mode for track mode where you get another 200 horsepower when you pull the that's amazing battle. so so i would say we will continue to develop software for the regera for the next uh, 10 15 years uh, and, and and so the same thing with the esco the esco is just that uh, earlier uh, curve in its uh, in its um, uh, lifespan so, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, well, uh, uh, and the and the Gamera, you said you've got that prototype that's 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 here. How, how far off before right. customer deliveries or that project yes. finished? Yes. So what we're aiming for now is to have the new factory up and running in April uh, 2023. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's being built as we speak. And even though the world is in in a strange place in many ways when it comes to materials and so on, it looks like we're going to make that time schedule. Um, and and deliveries at the end of 2023. Okay, so that's not very far off. It's still not so far off. As a Lamborghini Huracan STO does uh, <laughs> does some does some revs for the crowd in front of us. Yeah, it's uh, noisy, and the and, and the wire R, you know that that that, that natural V12. Very cool. Car. Yeah, a nightmare for your audio. So if your ears have exploded, audience, we, we're sorry about that. But uh, Christian, absolute or attack? Which one would you take? That. Uh, the impossible question, of course. Um, you can't say both. Don't uh, just cop exactly, out and say both. Exactly. Uh, oh, that's so difficult. Uh, <laughs> I think I think I would go with the uh, uh, with the absolute uh, because it's so. For, given its extremeness, I mean, even though we reduce the downforce a lot compared to the attack. Given its extremeness, it's still amazing around the track. I mean, the top speed is insane, of course, uh, but it has that 
unusually sleek, clean look that you hardly find on anything nowadays. Mm. All, all, all stuff out there in this in this kind of realm is usually super complex and and so many features and stuff that it kind of blurs the image. Yeah. While the absolute is, is just like a, an arrow through the wind in simplicity somehow. So. I'm with you. I'm with you. I, I, it looks it looks uh, cooler because it's more pared back, and of course, it's still as you say one of the most extreme cars out there. Now, you talked about the top speed there. You didn't put a number to it. But um, is 300 mile an hour plus something you're still interested in? Oh, when there's the Regera. Yeah, there's is. the Regera. <laughs> With its um, in full, what, what's it called? Butterfly mode. Yeah, yeah. so it's uh, show mode. Show mode, yeah. yeah. When it lifts it's all the peacock buttons. mode, basically. Let's get <laughs> open all the stores. Let's <laughs> exactly. open the, 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 the complete clamshell and then show it yeah, off to everyone. That it's a peacock. We should rename it peacock mode. That's a much better name for it. Yeah, <laughs> I'll send the invoice. Cheers, Christian. <laughs> no, but, no, but as Jack said, you know, the top speed race you know it's eight ten years ago yourself um, Bugatti and Hennessy were all at it it was a bit like heavyweight boxing it's 300 miles an hour and top speed still a big thing uh, well the, uh, as the f5 venom just goes past us someone else chasing 300 miles an hour uh, what do you think of the top speed race nowadays yeah so I think it's maybe a little bit blurred in the sense um, because if you look at the, the contenders you're, you're mentioning most of them are not homologated cars so for us the most of our uh, development goes into crash testing airbags emission testing OBD uh, uh, conformity of production uh, all these kind of nitty-gritty annoying details that are designed for high volume cars that makes our car sellable worldwide on each market and of of course it makes the car heavier it makes it more complex it gives the engine less power uh, so um, I mean, I'm super impressed by all of those cars, but given that they don't have that homologation, it's like comparing apples and oranges. And I would say, if you bring that into the mix, you can start bringing in these kind of rocket uh, cars from the salt flats. They're, they don't have airbags or, or emission control or OBD either. And they go, I don't know, what, a thousand miles per hour? So it, it's, it's, it's very impressive what they're doing, but I think it needs to be this kind of distinction between a fully homologated production car or something where it's completely free and you can do whatever you want. Maybe you can register, register the car in a country somewhere or not. Whatever. Great. And, 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 and no shame on that. Fantastic cars. But there should be a separation because there's a difference in effort and, and yeah. complexity. So it's kind of the Wild West. The, the regulations need to be written down because everything's just compared. It's just, you know, it's headlines, isn't it? It's a number. You know, Bugatti goes this fast. Uh, uh, you know, Venom F5 goes this fast. Right. And Koenigsegg goes yeah. this fast. And, and they're all called production cars. And in a way, they are. I mean, they, if you produce more than one of them, mm. I guess you can say it's a production car. Yeah. But that's why I would like to distinguish between that and and, and a homologated production yeah. car. And there we go. There's uh, And the there's Jesco the bright orange Jesco attack right in front of us. So with that in mind and the fact that clearly it's slightly irritating that there aren't these rules laid down, do you still want to take the um, the absolute past 300 miles an hour and show everyone what you can do? Yeah, I mean, uh, yes. First of all, yes. Uh, with the numbers we're seeing and the performance we've already experienced, it would be a shame not to show what it can do. At the same time, it's really scary stuff. And when we did the uh, the prevalent record of a homologated production car in two directions, 277 miles per hour in Nevada on an open road, beating the the 80-year-old uh, Mercedes record of the Silver Arrow, which was not a homologated car, but the fastest ever on on a on an open road, which we also broke, which was pretty cool. Uh, um, I, I think it's just super dangerous, and and I would like to have 
uh, a closed off uh, area like maybe Era Lysen or something where it's very wide where you can take out some of that side of it uh, because it's scary enough anyway. And is it something you want to do as a company? Because obviously the last one was a, a customer car um, on, a, on a closed public road. You know, d does it, is it something that you want to take the risk on yourself? Or yeah, you I, 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 we definitely want to, let's say, have our, uh, over, uh, our hand over it just for safety reasons. Checking the tires, checking the car, checking everything, checking the venue, the road, uh, having a, 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 <laughs> having an experienced driver, you know. Uh, but I would prefer a closed-off stretch. But you need to really extract maximum speed. You probably need minimum of seven, eight kilometers. You can you can reach like 95% of the top speed in four or five kilometers, maybe. But then you can still extract a couple of miles per hour in three two, three more miles. Yeah, yeah, So yeah. if you would really want to know how fast it is, you need endless long road on, or at least, yeah, five, six miles, something sure, like that. Sure, sure, sure. Um, all right, so let's let's hypothesize now. Um, you know, all electric cars, all electric hypercars are coming down the line. It's fair to assume one day we will get an all electric Koenigsegg. I think you've gone on record saying it will come eventually. But yeah. the, the interesting question, I'm sure you're grappling with this, um, uh, with all your with all your employees and your engineers is how do you make a pure electric Koenigsegg exciting, you know? Exactly. So uh, I think that's a challenge for, for all extreme car brands and uh, there are ways. There are ways. I don't think anyone has yet to nail the huge big differentiation from a, from a, a, a Tesla Plaid or, or a, a Porsche Taycan Turbo or whatever. Uh, I think they are they are so close in performance and range and anything to a hyper EV today that it's a bit discomforting. Yeah. Uh, and and you, I think you need to have a reason to exist. Mm. Just making it cool, but not adding any any features or functions of meaning, and then charging ten ten times more. That doesn't do it for me. So so it has to be something that really differentiates. And we have some ideas. And I think what, one of the ideas is, of course, how do you get range? and lightness and performance and much better yeah uh, let's say brakes track performance than those more normal sports evs is this going to be a classic case christian where you go off and create your own battery and it's the world's most power dense battery <laughs> and highly complicated but an engineering masterpiece yes. so for the jumeirah we're already developing actually the battery and the inverters and the e-motors and uh, we have some information on our webpage there will be more also for the rear motor showing where we actually have the most power torque dense e-motors inverters in the world yeah. so that's only expect nothing less <laughs> thank you and, and and that is only part of the equation it doesn't make it super big difference if you're 20 kilos lighter on your e-motors and inverters and they're a little bit smaller that helps but it doesn't make a huge difference it's it's difficult to do and you should do it of course if you can but that's only 10% of what I'm thinking yeah. that needs to be different. There is, um, there is one question that's been rattling around the Top Gear office for quite a while. You must have spent a lot of time in a wind tunnel. Yes. You, and we've always wondered, do you know the aerodynamic profile of your head? Because you have a, we've always <laughs> said you've got a very aerodynamic head. Do you know the CD of your head? <laughs> no, I don't, but <laughs> I can check it out. That's an interesting question, actually. When it's, it would be cool to understand, but <laughs> for anyone, not only for me. But but um, we, we do some wind tunnel testing, but we don't do as much as as you might think because we've invested in in several supercomputers, and we have a team of eight aerodynamicists working on very advanced aerodynamics, and then we have our runway, 
uh, which is completely flat. Mm. And when we have days with no wind, we can do coast down test with uh, pressure sensors on the bodywork and strain gauges on the suspension. So we see downforce and lift and drag and coast down. And then we correlate that to our aero simulations. So we only basically go to wind tunnel maybe once every year to correlate the track to the simulation and to the tunnel. Just to check it all lines up. Yeah. Yeah. And then we continue ton, uh, sorry, a road, uh, test track and, and simulation because it's much quicker. Wow. Yeah. In right. depth. Okay, so should we ask these, we've been asking um, uh, various people a same set of questions. We want to find out a little bit more about Christian von Koenigsegg. And I'm going to kick off the first question. Do you have, I'm not sure if you even have this in Sweden, but do you have any points on your driving license for speeding? I, I got a speeding ticket. The last speeding ticket I got was maybe 10 years ago. So <laughs> maybe I'm not driving fast enough anymore. <laughs> well, am I right in thinking that one of the world's fastest speeding tickets was done in a Conan's Egg as well? Yeah, that's what I heard as well. It was uh, one of actually the first pre-production CC8S that uh, we had borrowed out sort of to our dealer in the UK at the time. And then he called me up, I sold the car. Uh, excuse me, what do you mean you sold it? It's our test demo car and <laughs> we're not really kind of 100%. Right. No, I, I, I sold it. Uh, okay. Okay, that's interesting. Uh, uh, it's going to the Gumball in the US. Oh, really? Okay, fantastic. <laughs> and and then we heard uh, a couple of weeks later that it broke uh, or or got a speeding ticket in Texas of uh, I don't know what it was, 200 miles per hour or something. It was over 200. Yeah, it was it was a big one. It was so, a big one. So apparently, it was the highest ever issued. If uh, what I heard as well, I wasn't there. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, when was the last time, Christian, you changed a tire on a car? Uh, it was probably on my son's uh, uh, BMW a couple of weeks ago. So in Sweden, he's 15, so in Sweden you can convert any kind of car to a tractor. And a tractor you're allowed to drive when you're 15. <laughs> <laughs> wait, how, how, what, what class <laughs> is it a tractor? This so, BMW so, tractor? This so is you a need a towing, a towing hook and you need to block off the rear seat. And you need to put a limiter on the engine so it can't go faster than 32 kilometers per hour. And then you can register as a standard tractor. This is the most brilliant loophole I've <laughs> oh ever Oh my god, of. we've got to make some tractors. We've got to go and make some so tractors. Yeah, so BMW 325 tractor. Oh my god, that's and great. And can drive around as and a Do you have to put big big chunky tires on no, it? No, it looks, no, it, no. you have one of those uh, triangles at the rear instead of a mm. license plate, so it's kind of tractor triangles. Amazing. And uh, Christian, when was the last time you hand washed a car? That was also with my son and probably his BMW. He hand washes his car every other day. Mm. And to tell the truth, I don't wash my cars that much. I, I either dirty or I get some help. But, but uh, unless it's my precious Koenigsegg or something like that, but but uh, I think I helped wash his car. But he does it every other day. He's like fanatic about it, and, and we're keeping his tractor clean. <laughs> in, in in the four seats of Camara with four uh, microphones. It feels like we could have a sing-song. What's your karaoke tune? Is it something by ABBA or is that too much of a cliche? I would say uh, Born to be Wild by Steppenwolf. Wow. Oh, Imagine if we high were octane. Yeah, cruising at 200 miles an hour in this, singing that. That would be that would be a way to go. It kind of works. Four up. Four <laughs> that would be you just completed life if that happened. But um, Christian, look, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. My um, pleasure. I hope you could hear us with all the supercars going on in the background, but that was just fantastic fun as always. Thank you. Yeah. Well, thank you guys for coming and uh, enjoy Goodwood. Yeah, and we can't wait to come back to Sweden and, and try all these cars out because they are absolutely yes. amazing bits of kit. You're on our list to invite. Perfect. Sure. All right. You heard it here. See you soon. You're on record now. Perfect. Cheers. Thanks, guys. <laughs>